Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Matt DeCourcy here with another episode of Startup Hustle. Sitting in for Matt Watson today, I've got Alex Springer and and Steve Gardner, who I will introduce momentarily. Before we get started, I want to do a little, get the heavy lifting out of the way. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, where we can help you build a development team quickly and affordably. Now, we're going to talk about some fun and interesting stuff today, and that is Startup Accelerators. I previously mentioned that Alex Springer and Steve Gardner are my guests today. They are with BCP Tech. Hi, guys. Good morning. How you doing, Matt? I'm just getting through another day, getting through another day. I love this topic, um, and especially the one we're talking about today, because I actually am involved with this as well. So, Yes, yeah. you are. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're excited about it. Not, not on the level that you guys are, but uh, I mentioned the term startup accelerator, and that has a very wide... Uh, definition for a lot of people, but this particular one is an extension of the Launch KC uh, Accelerator in which my company, Fullscale, is the official development partner. We have had Jim Malley and Don Peterson in here talking about some of the other cohorts, but there are multiple episodes in which I have praised the approach that Launch KC is taking. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go to launchkc.org and you can apply to be a company and the accelerator and now let's talk about all the great stuff that you will get if accepted. Which one of you wants to take the lead on talking about BCP Tech? Yeah, I can go. Um, yeah, so BCP Tech is the technology arm of Brush Creek Partners, uh, which is a, a full service uh, independent insurance brokerage here in, in Kansas City. And uh, so, yeah, BCP Tech is tasked with uh, with heading this insure tech accelerator. And so... Um, for 75 days, we're going to be scaling uh, technology startups, and we're looking for people that have uh, technology that will improve efficiencies within the broker rather than the carrier. And so we're, we're really focused on that independent agency product. Yeah. So when we say insure tech, if you have a software or any type of product that helps the insurance business and is technology related, then you should probably give, give, it, a, give it a whirl and apply, right? Yeah, it's a great place to start. I mean, it's uh, uh, we we do have a fairly specific niche. Um, so we're obviously, as Alex said, it's commercial PNC mm-hmm. uh, tech that's going to specifically benefit the brokers as opposed to the carriers. But yeah, if if you've got something and it can be in any way that is where it's going to benefit the uh, broker, so something that decreases workers' comp claims, for example, could be a benefit. Like there's there's a lot of I mean, different categories. Process there, automation, yeah, client process, onboarding, yeah. integrating yep. with different. Uh, insurance providers. And let's talk about that for a second, because this is an arm of Brush Creek Partners. And if you go to brushkc.com, they do business insurance for, well, businesses like mine. We use Brush Creek Partners. You guys are our insurance broker. And with that, um, you're the, one of the founders, Travis Holt, um, has took a personal approach with helping us. And he had known Matt Watson through Stackify. But yeah, helping businesses find tailor-made insurance needs. It's not like going to Geico where you're like, yeah, my, my Dodge truck 
and I need this minimum amount of coverage. And, you know, it's good to have an idea about what you need and what you don't need. And uh, you guys have done a really great job at helping us get stuff set up because we do business all over the world. Uh-huh. And that has a different set of needs. And then when we provide services for other clients, we need other types of protection. So, yeah. yeah well, check that's that great out. to hear. Yeah. Brush Creek KC. Yeah. Or Brush KC. So, back to the accelerator. Now, BCP Tech, and that this is an arm of the Brush Creek empire. Yeah. Um, but specifically to help work and manage with these companies. And uh, I mean, how did that come about and, and what made you, what made you as a company or even individuals want to participate in launch KC? Uh, I think Travis Holt and, uh, and Nathan Kurtz, the COO at Brush Creek, they just kind of had this vision of, of wanting to be on the front line of, of the next big product within insurance. And uh, Kansas City is growing within the insurance industry, and they kind of just you know want to be on the the forefront of that. Um, so both of us were approached by Nathan Kurtz, and and we uh, we think this is awesome, and we wanted to be a part of this. Yeah, so, it's um you know when you when you take a look at the kind of opportunities that we've got, <clears throat> certainly for Brush Creek as as in comparison to many a smaller insurance company. Um, they need to know the greatest, latest and greatest technologies that are out there right now, because that's how they were, are going to grow their business. So if they have access to the greatest technologies right out of the gate, uh, that's going to make a very profound business, uh, business opportunity for them, uh, available. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really critical piece. And I, I love what launch KC is doing because to make this an opportunity, uh, within specific, uh, industry verticals as they've hit a number of them so far, um, yeah, this is a really massive ecosystem play within the uh, entrepreneurial world of, of Kansas City, certainly, which I think is um, doing amazing work for entrepreneurs. Now, you don't need to be from Kansas City or in Kansas City nope. to apply for Absolutely Launch KC. No, no, yeah, I want to clarify that. No, um, I've spent a lot of time talking about how I just love, love, love the uh, the pivot that Launch KC made. So pr- in prior years to last year, um, so EDC – you know, you talk about develop it, wanting to develop economics within your, you know, uh, is, is it KC EDC or something? You say it a bunch of times. EDC KC. Yeah, yeah. See that kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> say that five times in a <laughs> yeah. row. No thanks. And you win a prize. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there. I've spent a lot of time in past episodes talking about local things. So whether you're in Kansas City and this applies to you or you're from outside of KC, and you want to apply, there's probably something near you that does stuff like this. And this is a great way to get things started. Now, one of the, one of the things that I have talked about with this is sometimes the word, the quote, accelerator can be a little misunderstood because they exist on different levels. Now, this particular one is looking for companies that aren't literally in concept or like early, early, early stage. And that's actually what I like the most about it. So they want to find companies that are series A ready or on that path. Yeah. So uh, to me, I'm a, I'm real big on definition of terms. And so a lot of times people will say, oh, well, I'm going to do an incubator and, and I'm going to do an accelerator. And those are not different. Those are different things. Yeah. Way different. Incubator is I have an idea on the back of a napkin and I need somebody to help me turn this thing into maybe a company. Yeah, and I've I've had that discussion not only with the people at Launch KC but others because it's just a, it's a it's a misunderstood term in many ways. So in prior years, so last year, uh, Launch KC gave out ten to twelve fifty thousand dollar grants, 
and that's money that came from the city or wherever they got it. And, um, and you know, that that's fine. And that that's and good. And thank you for doing that. But what they did is with this last year, they made a different improvement and they're finding top level partners. So BCP tech is an example. And you guys sit on top of what they call a cohort, which will be anywhere from maybe five to seven companies. Mm-hmm. They want you to invest in those companies right. at at least a $50,000 level, mm-hmm. sometimes more. And then they find other ones. And so then like, how, do, how is full scale involved? Well, we've committed to give $10,000 in development credit to anybody on a launch KC cohort. Yep. So they find some other stuff and some value added, like, okay, now we're up to $60,000 uh-huh. in value and, yep. and different stuff. And, um, you know, the reason that that's, and then there's also, you mentioned that 70 day, 75 day period, um, some teaching, some input, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, but with this pivot, launch KC is able, they're running more businesses through the $50,000 grant is great. But I'd rather have fifty thousand bucks from someone that ha- that has a direct line of sight for the solution that I'm trying to provide. And yeah. in this case, it's insurance technology. And you yeah. mentioned that's a win-win because you guys get a shot now. So you put fifty grand into something, and maybe it's kind of early stage. Well, having a powerful partner or someone that's already in your industry—that's smart money now. And you guys could theoretically see these solutions and say, oh man, I've been waiting for this for a while. Now you put it in play. Now you're, you're able to help move that needle. And if you're listening, that's the kind of, that's what you should be looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, this is kind of like the, the grants that were given out the twelve fifty thousand dollars grants is basically, it's kind of like giving someone a new car that has no gas in it. Sure. And we're, we're a gas station. We're not just a tank of gas, but we're a gas station. So we're going to continue to fill that car up for a while. And we're going to get you involved in so many different things, whether it's the uh, financing and operations and and VCs. Obviously, that turns into a part of introduction it. Introduction to clients, yeah. users. Yeah. And, and the revenue generation. Yeah. yeah. And, and for us, like the revenue generation is a really critical piece to this. So we actually have a partnership with a group called TechAsure, which is a, a large group of independent insurance agencies around okay. the country and even around the world. And so much of our focus is really on how do we take these these companies that have an MVP that are like seed to series A somewhere in there generally. Um, And now how do we really make sure that we're getting them in front of customers? And so we are bringing this huge body of of beta customers and people who will actually be revenue generating because while we do have a demo day at the end of it, uh, just like many people do, for us, we're we're big believers that uh, uh, ultimately investment best way to get investment is to generate revenue. Um, cause obviously a lot of companies kind of spend all their time conceptualizing Amen. Amen, and brother. theorizing about, <laughs> you mean, hey. wait, wait, you mean we don't just raise money perpetually? Ex- uh, oh, no, no, I, no, I, so, uh, Steve, I've had way too many conversations with startup people, founders on all levels and like, yeah, we're trying to raise money, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, you could try to sell something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause in the, in the end. That's it's always going to come down to that. Well, and, and I think one of the most critical pieces of all of that really does come down to the self-awareness of the founder or the founder team. Because what we find often with a lot of these companies that are in accelerator mode, um, they've got an idea, they've done something, they're getting maybe a little bit of customer feedback, but they tend to be really good technically. And they don't so, know how to sell anything. Yeah, so they're really great at that. And then like we've had conversations with founders yeah. and literally they go on for 30 minutes and then at the very end of it they give us a 15 second uh blurb and we're like all you had to do was say that yeah 
at the very beginning and we would have known exactly what was going on. Well, the, what I run into a lot when I'm talking to folks like this, sometimes right here on the podcast or also talking to them about potentially helping them at, with this tech services company mm-hmm. at full scale. Um, the mistake that a lot of people make that when they're quote tech people is they get, they talk all, they talk about the features, they're like feature, feature, yeah. feature, 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 feature. And really with all the client or the end buyer wants to hear is benefit, benefit, benefit. Right, and, right. you know, so it's one thing to build a feature, but you don't truly understand your why if you don't understand the benefit that it provides. Cause you, whether you know it or you're, you're going to find it out eventually, um, people don't give a shit about your features. They care about the mm-hmm. benefits because everyone's saying what's in it for me. Yep. And the benefit is different. And sometimes it's way different than what you think you built the quote feature for. Uh, peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Put a price on that for me, guys. Because yeah. if you can give me peace of mind with your product, I'll pay a, I'll pay a lot of right. a, a pretty high price. Yeah. And, and that's my point is that's the benefit. And sometimes that comes down to the simple presentation. They're like, we have these nine features that that increase uh-huh. 12 different types of efficiency yeah. in the office. How mm-hmm. about this? Added peace of mind with your office staff. Oh, Boom. I get it now. Yeah. Okay, because I'm tired yeah. of them yelling at me. Yep. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And that's that's my kind of well, you know, that's my kind of reception to that. Now there are a lot of people that want to see the whole feature list and understand that fine. Sure. But that's about half. That's the technical yeah. sales, yeah. which is quite frankly, they tend, still want to know the be benefits. Small. Yeah, yeah. They, they still want to know the benefits. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, that does again, that's that's where the self-awareness comes in. Because look, if you know you're really great technically and like you you can write great code and build great great products and all that, that's that's a cool, very important piece. And you may be you may have some really good ideas about what you think customers are going to see. But at the end of the day, do you know how to actually speak the customer's language? Yeah. Do you know how to talk benefits? Do you yep. know how to actually show them? Here's exactly how I'm going to solve your pain, as opposed to let me tell you about the 17 lines of code I wrote this morning and how it's the best code you've ever seen. Dude, that's important. But in the end, no one cares. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I've spent too much time. No one cares about the elegance of your code. They care if it works and yep. what and what. How does it benefit? Yeah. Does it help me sell more? Does it help yep. me spend less? Preferably both. Yeah. And then you have those intangibles like peace of mind. Does this make my life easier? Uh, um, yeah. Where do I gain? You know, and like, and that's the thing that uh, many people fail with when the, with their sales message. You also talk about giving a. You mentioned that fifteen seconds at the end of it. If I had a product that could increase peace of mind in your office. Would you listen to me for the next couple minutes? And people are, yeah, like that shouldn't be the thing you end with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So one of the cool things with accelerators and stuff like this is kind of the quote subject matter that comes with it. We just covered one little piece, like helping you become a little more self-aware about your selling. What do you have planned for the cohorts or basically when it comes to the advice and the, how, how are you going to help me accelerate my insurance tech? Yeah. You want me to take that? <laughs> uh, I can touch on it a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they'll be in town uh, for the 75 days. We ask that they'll be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, that way we can have, you know, we've lined up industry experts uh, across the board for all for all walks of business. And with them being here, they'll be able to meet with these with these mentors and go through a day or a workshop with them and, and be able to grow in that sense. Uh, and so we're just developing our program with, with all these mentors to just to kind of mold them and, and shape them as an individual and then also for their business. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, basically, like our job uh, for Alex and I, our job is to literally be in the trenches with them while they are in town uh, and uh, and trying to grow their build their businesses. Um, and like you said, we're we're not insurance guys like I'm especially not an insurance guy. That's not my background. Um, and so we have plenty of insurance experts who, who are going to come in. Uh, NAIC is is a group that uh, they're going to provide some content. We have a bunch of other experts and mentors who have been involved in, in other insurance accelerators around the country that are also going to be a part of our mentorship and our, our expertise uh, that we're delivering. So a lot of it is programmatically, we'll, we'll hit a number of buckets. But again, a big focus for us as an accelerator is around revenue. So how do we help you generate revenue? So a lot of our time is going to be, okay, we're going to be working with insurance agencies. We're going to be talking about how do they buy? What are they looking for? What are the kinds of issues that they're dealing with internally that are real pain points? So we're going to be talking about a lot of that and then working with the agencies and, and getting iterative feedback from them so that the agencies are saying, hey, well, you know, we tried this and this didn't work or we really love that or, you know, maybe tweak this or... You know, so we're we're really creating a, a very powerful opportunity on that side. So, yeah, content wise, um, obviously, there's going to be plenty of things that will just pop up in the moment. Someone will say, hey, how do I fix this? And if Alex or I can't fix it, then we'll say, OK, we mm-hmm. got to get someone in. So we'll, we'll help them address that issue. But but generally, certainly it's business uh, specific. It's leadership. It's sales. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, certainly the team building, the HR, uh, some of those kinds of issues. But then we'll we'll dive into a lot of very insurance industry heavy and very specific content as well with our experts. Yeah, I'll set out of those sessions. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might too. I, don't I always know. Yeah. <laughs> I always joke with insurance. It's like yeah. one of those things that you got to have that you hope you never use. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's also one of those things. And you talk about insurance technology and all that. Insurance is also something I don't want to talk about. No. Meaning like I don't want to spend much, if any, of my time ever. Yeah. Like my bandwidth from that on that as a business owner, the if it go if it goes past like a fraction of a point annually, I'm I it's now I'm like, why am I even talking to you about this? But I mentioned, you know, you go to brushkc.com, that's what um, Brush Creek Partners helped us with, and that's you know that talking to an expert. Like, what do I exactly need here? Mm-hmm. Or what do you recommend? Right. And yeah. that's that that expertise that, um, it, as a business, it's kind of difficult to get a turnkey on that. Yeah, sometimes. well, and I think a big part of that problem really comes down to the fact that uh, kind of the same issues that we're talking about here. A lot of people in the insurance industry are so focused on features. And not benefits. Yeah. So that when they come in to talk to companies and, and business owners, especially about insurance, they're kind of, well, let's go over subsection A of paragraph 18. And, you know, and, and they're trying to address all these things. And most people's eyes glaze over. Yeah, mine so, just did when you said <laughs> subsection, it, it, subsection as a word. That triggered it. That, yeah, that is a trigger word, isn't Amendment, it? Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> policy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there, anything a with that. a point in it, like 5.2. Yeah. Yeah, you you start getting into that, and that's where people get into a lot of trouble. And by the way, that's why a lot of companies are not insured properly. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Which is where, like, uh, you know, shameless plug here. Brush. That's where Brush Creek Partners uh, is happens to, to be plug. really good. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> plug away. Shameless, yeah. anyways. Um, uh, but that's where Brush Creek is really good because they're they're going to make sure that you understand. Hey, here's why you do or don't need this piece. And here's how we're going to help you uh, make sure that you're insured in the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty unique that the accelerator is being run by an independent broker. 
And so we have that ability to go directly to Travis or to our team for product feedback. And aside from that, we have the TechAssure network and we have the other agencies just ready to beta test and, you know, give these, give these founders the answers that they need. And be- there's actually then beta testing is one thing. The best testing is model testing. And mm-hmm. that's like the, like a beta could be with yeah. anyone. The model test is the actual hands-on use, like an end, an end user, a real type <clears throat> client, which for a lot of startups is hard to get. Yeah. yeah. Because people are like, well, if it doesn't work yet, I don't have time for that, yeah. which is a, also a reasonable That's thing legitimate. to say yeah. from the business. Yeah. But if you get that model test uh, data, you're in good shape because yeah. uh, it prevents you from overbuilding. And it also gives you that direct line of sight of people saying, hey, you, you, and I say the overbuilding part's important because when you're a startup, you have finite resources, you have finite bandwidth, and you're trying to get into a state of, of revenue growth. Um, that model test and, and that capacity will help you focus on the things that truly generate revenue. Yep. And you'll know it right away because it'll sound like an echo. Mm-hmm. It, people, they will say the same thing. So yeah. say, th- it's not doing this, this, this. It's not doing this, this, this. It's not doing this. Th- okay, well, clearly that's something we should address. Yeah. You also have to be aware, be careful for the wolf in sheep's clothing, which a lot of people will, you can't chase everything yeah. that people ask for. Yeah. And, the, you know, like just because someone says, oh, and you're like, oh, yeah, it would be cool if we did that. Is that going to bring me users? Is it going to keep me users? Yeah. And if the answer to either of that is no, you yeah. might want to go down to the next item on the list and see if you get a yes, yes. Yeah. So so actually on that subject, Matt, so for you guys, when you're, when you're sitting down and talking to a founder and they've got all these grand plans and, hey, here's these 96 cool features that we want to put in there, um, what is your process kind of internally to, to walk through it and say, you know what, we need to strip a few of these things out? Well, we don't really do that with our clients. So at full scale, what we do, so in the United States, there's currently 350,000 unfillable tech jobs. We don't have the people to do them. So what we do is like, for and the reason that um, the Launch KC Accelerator is really good for us as well, because we typically run into these businesses that need to scale rapidly. Right. And there are people like Brush Creek or someone that wants to write them a big check. And then reality kicks in. So if you get a $2 million check from a VC and, they're, and they don't want to hear about your 18-month hiring plan, they want you to light a fuse and go yeah, to the moon right, like right. now. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, we've done, what we do is we make it, uh, make it really quick and affordable to hire a team of dedicated software experts that all exist in our office in Cebu City in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And then you get, a, you get full transparent access to them. They work for you at that point, but we take care of recruiting, assessing, uh, uh, retaining and employing. Okay. Okay. So it's like a turnkey. It's kind of like what Travis did with our, our policy, you know, like, so we take that same approach. Like we sit down and say, Hey, now we do give a lot of advice. Now in Uh that case, uh, we just get, because we've had a lot of experience doing this ourselves Uh where we sit down and say, um, certain things like, I don't know, man, it's, it's so different across the scope, but you know, this is what I don't spend, I don't necessarily care what our, I don't have to believe in your business model to help you at full scale. Mm-hmm. So I don't spend too much time getting sold mm-hmm. on that. Now on the flip side, full scales also invested $750,000 in the last 12 months in software companies. 
Now on that, that's a different approach. Yeah. Now with that, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, what's your path to revenue? Mm-hmm. And if they give me a 96 feature list at that, then I'm, then I'm taking a different approach. And then I'm saying, what's going to, what's going to get you to market and help you generate revenue fast. And the term 96 immediately makes me think, are we trying to be good at 96 things? And, and while we're doing that, are we a triple plus at one? Yeah. And that, so that's the general advice. And so I know that was kind of a long answer on that. It's a different approach for different reasons, but you need to be good, like brilliantly good at the basics before you try to do like a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's a common mistake that people make. They're trying to develop quote six features at the same time, do one or two of them and be like aces. Yeah. Yeah. I talk all the time about, uh, perfect as the enemy of done. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's real easy, especially in tech projects to get stuck in, Oh man, but, Oh, I just did this and you know what else we could do? There's oh no man, such let's thing try that. Perfect. You know what? Yeah. It, it doesn't exist. You, yeah. you can't get and anything. There's no such thing as finished it. when it comes yeah. to software as mm-hmm. a service. No, of course not. That's a huge red flag for me. When I talk to people, they're like, when this is done, I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's that, talk that, for a second. Yeah. There's a vaporware conversation <laughs> yeah. there that, yeah. I mean, obviously you can have a product that works. That's just not, it doesn't have all the bells and, and whistles, but, but the point is, is if you're, if you're trying to start a software, software company or software services as software as a service company. And you think that you're going to quote be done. Yeah. You're you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're just wrong. Cause what happens if you do actually get a user base? Mm -hmm. Are you still done? Do you think that they're just going to want to sit there with your cool, with your, with your rapidly depreciating? (laughs) Cause here's the thing is if you do actually gain traction and you have users, you've also sent up a signal flare to other people that are like, look at what we're doing well. And your competition will catch up to you. Iterate, 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 iterate. Yeah. The idea that you're ever done, that's a huge, now at full scale, that's a huge red flag. I don't want you as a client. If that's the case, because we're also set up to do full-time service. So who's going to take care of this when you're done? Uh Because it ain't going to be us. If you give your team back, if they go and work for a different client, they're on that person's team now. Uh Can't just go pluck them away from someone else and be like, hang on, I know you're working on your stuff, but I got to go take care of this guy that didn't know what he was doing. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's, and that's advice that is maybe priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, so I I have a lot of history of uh, putting on conferences and that sort of thing. And those extremely stressful, crazy, chaotic uh, types of events that you get involved with. But um, most of the stress would come down to, you know, the week before the event, you're thinking, oh, I want to do this and this and this. And you, you think of all these amazing things that mm-hmm. you can do that are going to really impact the audience. And at the end of the day, you get there, you do the conference and whatever happens, happens. The audience never knew what my original intent was. Yeah. And so that's, that was that's, always yeah, my saving point. grace yeah. Yeah. that, you know, look, I may have had all these other amazing plans in mind, but they didn't happen. But the audience doesn't know any different. Yeah. I, I worked in the music industry for almost a decade, and I uh-huh. still know a lot of people that perform in front of large crowds. And the rule is, yeah. it's like, if you make a mistake, you just keep going. Yeah. Because yep. you might know it, but the I, the likelihood that everyone in the crowd knew is minimal. And it's you just keep rocking. Yeah. And uh, it's Vic Wooten, a fam- famous bass player. He's like... It, what what do you do when you play a wrong note? You keep playing notes until you play the right ones. You know, you just like eventually <laughs> yeah, yeah. got to get back there. So, yeah. um, so Alex, how long have you you've been with Brush Creek for a while? Uh, not too long. I actually just started with Brush Creek in November. Uh, yeah. Previously, though, I was uh, doing some intern work for them when I was in school, 
Uh, so I was I was in there as a marketing intern, but just recently started full time in November. So was your is your history with them in a marketing capacity? Uh, yes, I would say so. It's about as competitive as it gets for marketing stuff, oh. insurance. Yeah. yeah, it's up there. <laughs> uh, although yeah. Alex, you should at least inform him what you did for a few years after college. Uh, yeah, I, I played two and a half years as a professional golfer post college. So, so don't go play golf with you. Do come play golf with me if you need a partner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll keep. Yeah, he's yeah. the ringer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say I'm but... the ringer for the scramble. So. Oh man, I um, need I. Oh, man. So my dad is an avid golfer and he's almost 80 and he still beats me, uh-huh. <laughs> which like my whole entire life, cause I played other sports, uh, was totally disheartening. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, <laughs> God, it's a humbling game. Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, the thing is, is, uh, it, and let's take a second and, and talk about that. Uh, cause golf is very humbling. So mm-hmm. I played baseball, which is also humbling for a lo- some of the similar reasons. Yeah. Like, Sometimes you hit a ball really hard and it's just right at someone. And then sometimes you hit it off the end of the bat and it squirts down the right mm-hmm. field line. And they're like, yeah, I got a triple. <laughs> You're like, but I would have rather hit the ball hard. And yeah. you know, golf is, is that same certain uncontrollable things. You can't help it if there's a rock on the green no, and your ball hits it and skips the other way, even though that might have been a decent shot. Yeah, so. I mean, it's it's ever changing every single time you play golf. And I think that's probably what brings a lot of people back is that, you know, this, it could be the same course from the same set of tees on, but the weather changes and somehow the conditions change, but, or you hit a rock or you get a bad lie. Um, So, So what's something about golf or professional golf that, that you have taken to your, to, I don't want to say a real job, but to your real job. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely dealing with adversity. Um, kind of, you know, taking the punches as they come and rolling with it. Um, you know, whether it's as simple as traveling for golf, uh, across, across the world, across the country, you're always going to have bumps in the road on that. And that's going to be the same with, with an accelerator or with any other business. Um, and so I feel like I've, I've adapted to that and pretty flexible and, um, yeah, just dealing with adversity. Yeah. When I talk to, I, so I mentioned, I know, I know quite a few musicians and I've known or known a few professional athletes. They always, they, they, uh, value the practice, you yeah. know, the practice and the routine part of it and being prepared. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you mentioned earlier talking like on a demo day or something like that, like practice, yeah. Yeah. practice, yeah. practice, people are like, Hey Matt, you're a great salesperson. Yeah. I put a lot of practice, mm-hmm. in a lot of practice, a lot of thought, a lot of repetition and a lot of refinement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think specifically uh, with athletes like Alex, I, and I've, I've worked with dozens and uh, ho- probably hundreds of pro athletes, uh, more specifically around helping them transition to a post-playing career and kind of leveraging that amazing experience that they had in the NFL or the NBA or whatever, uh, into business opportunities and, and other things like that. To me, uh, what it really comes down to that is extremely applicable for anybody in the, in the entrepreneurial space it really is the mental strength. Yeah. Because yeah. you are going to get hit with all kinds of adversity. And what I love about athletes, guys like Alex, guys like, you know, a lot of the NBA and NFL players, I mean, they, they m- messed up constantly, but they kept going. You have to have and a short, you have to have a short yeah, memory. You, you yes, got to just do. let that stuff go immediately. <laughs> I, one of our favorite quotes on Startup Hustle is from Mike Tyson, where he says, everyone had a plan until, until they, they got, got punched hit. in the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And here's the thing is as an entrepreneur or startup founder, the bell rings and then you get punched in the face. It's not like you don't get to dance or you don't get to go Floyd Mayweather and like run around and dodge punches. Like it's coming like the fist. And if it doesn't hit you right after the bell, brother, it's on the way. (laughs) It's coming. It is on the way. It'll test all your strength, all your fortitude. And you you talk about, you know, there's been a lot, there's a lot of people that have been great athletes and performers, but they have that problem. They get shake. They get, you get shook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, like the reason I suck at golf is because I'm good on 13 holes and then I, you know, and, and by the way, I trimmed 10 strokes off my game when I just quit caring because <laughs> I, I just, I was like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. And then I, and I wasn't like upset or frustrated that I hit one off into the woods and I'm a big kid and I can hit the ball a long way. So if it didn't go straight, it's, I'm probably not finding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a problem. A, yeah. A, a big thing for me was like just not being able to fit not being afraid to fail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if you're nervous on the first tee in front of a thousand people, don't be afraid to snap hook it into the trees. Like you still got, yeah. you know, 60 some more shots. Like, I think in that level, you could at least live knowing that you're still better than 99% or more of the yeah. people watching, yeah. but it doesn't make it feel any better. By the way, the, the not being afraid to fail is an important thing for a startup founder and an entrepreneur mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, I've really made my living by trying 10 things and hoping one worked. Yeah. And I'd say hoping and you just keep trying stuff and then you find, you know, you find a, a horse that wants to race and, yeah. and you get moving and, you know, sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't, but you, it, uh, and now some people can, I know a lot of entrepreneurs that take the exact opposite approach. They're like, I'm going to be laser sharp on one thing. I have ADD, man. That ain't going to work for me. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. It's just not me. So I like doing a lot of different things and trying a lot of different stuff. And like, but then you got to pick and choose like, well, as an athlete or other, I would think as a golfer too, because if you're not on the main PGA tour, you got a whole lot of different events you can pick and different mm-hmm. stuff. And where are they? How much does it cost to do this and do that? And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, again, just kind of jumping back onto the, the mental strength side of things. Um, I, I've also, uh, coached a ton of professional speakers and like, how do you present in front of groups and all that sort of thing? Um, that, that's probably tougher than golf or other things. It, it is people, really people aren't usually a people. All right. So public speaking, uh, is the biggest fear. Yeah. It's the biggest fear. Not playing golf. Yeah. And, and, you know, or, and not Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing about getting up and giving a speech, the thing that most people don't realize is that in reality, 99% of the audience is thrilled that they're not up in front of the yeah, stage. Yeah, so yeah. they are going to give you a ton yeah. of credit just for yeah. having been up there. Yep. So just the fact that you stood That's a really up tough there, thing to coach too. So my wife, my wife is one of those people that does not like speaking in front mm-hmm. of crowds. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't. And yeah. even, and I do it a lot. Yep for audiences of sometimes small mm-hmm. to a lot. And but yep. my, my wife literally feels like physically yeah. ill oh, yeah. watching me. Oh yeah. In certain cases. And then she and she gave up on this part, but for a year she'd be like, Are you gonna practice? Are you gonna prepare? Are you gonna write a speech? I'm like, no, I'm gonna write five words down on a mm-hmm. piece of paper and yeah. I'm gonna go up there and figure it out. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now well, that's not the preparation that yeah. most people would want, but for me, I've learned that that's all it takes. Yeah, but and that's a good fit for me. But most of the fear, and and yeah, look, some people like they've got the gift of gab. I love speaking in front of groups; it's just fun. Um, that's not how the majority of yeah. the world looks at it. Um, but it's just it is an opportunity to uh, really recognize that at the end of the day, whatever nerves or fear or anxiety or whatever else is attached to that moment. 
is 100% mental. Oh, yeah. It's in your head. Yeah. Most of the time people are like, I feel like everyone sees how nervous I am. They don't. Mm-hmm. They, they, they have don't. no clue. Like, and, and quite honestly, they're probably not even paying attention. So no, if that yeah. helps you feel better. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's we're, one we're of the really the, the human psyche is really programmed to f- make us feel like everyone's watching. Yeah. And yeah. I've even talked to people like people that I just. Uh, all right. So I traveled for business. I'm sure you got into this. For both you guys, you yeah. know, when you travel for business or at all, you travel by yourself. So mm-hmm. you learn to eat meals and do shit by yourself quickly. Yeah. yeah. People are like, I don't want to go by myself. I'm like, why? And like, <laughs> I feel like everyone's looking at me. Trust me. They're not. Mm-hmm. We are so self-absorbed. Yeah. Are you looking at everyone else there? Cause yeah. you're not. So. Yeah. Well, and, and that all starts in, you know, grade school and middle school and, and, you know, every kid, like so much of children's anxiety. I'm, quite convinced. I have four kids, so I've got, I'm not an expert, but that I've would, got a degree in psychology. Four too, kids so. will generate a lot of anxiety, actually. <laughs> um, Is it, that it where you're going with can, that? Well, <laughs> that's a separate discussion. I'm not going to talk about the fact that having children is a horrible investment. Um, <clears throat> Maybe. It depends. I'm already training <laughs> yeah. mine to actually do, to work at my business. Okay. So well, then that, then that, you could have a payback a there. I, I'm, I'm not seeing a payback. My kids are amazing, but and I love them, but, um, but, but kids start with that, uh, perception of, oh man, everybody else is talking about me and thinking about me. And every other kid is walking around saying the exact same thing. Everyone is looking at me and talking about me and thinking about me. And nobody is talking about anybody else or thinking about anybody else. Cause they're so yeah. focused on themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, but that's, uh, you know, again, kind of tying this back into the entrepreneurial world. Like that's the challenge for most business owners. Are you capable of removing yourself from the equation mm-hmm. for a minute and let's talk about what does your team think about it yep. what are your customers think about it is is this product really doing what you want it to do is it going to actually generate whatever lifestyle or whatever you're trying to build is it actually going to do that or do you need to pivot and do you have enough of a an egoless approach that you're willing to pivot because so many entrepreneurs get stuck in well this is my baby Mm-hmm. And so I love my baby. My baby's great. And everyone else is like, your baby's ugly. The baby's always yeah. ugly in the beginning too. <laughs> uh, well, totally. Now, totally. speaking of babies that aren't ugly is the trophy that I'm about to hang up because I am going to probably beat Alex at something here. <sighs> it's mixtape the game. Okay. Bring it. This is where I'm a tour champion. Mm. Okay. Bring it. So mixtape the game.com. You can also download the app on iOS or Android. I've pulled a card out of the mixtape deck going to read a scenario. We're going to name a song that comes to mind. There are really no wrong answers here. And then we're going to vote for a winner. You cannot vote for yourself. The first song you knew you would get in trouble for listening to. And I'm going to go with Straight Out of Compton by NWA, which also shows how old I am. Yeah. Well, I think I'm older than you are. And I did get in trouble for listening to that song. So that's a real life play there. Um. You know, I think I'm going to go back in black by ACDC. Okay. So I'm I'm going back even further. Okay. Yeah. You know who ACDC is, Alex? I uh, do, but do, I'm about to say one. <laughs> do you know who this is? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Smack That by Akon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would run to the radio to turn it down when a uh, cuss word would come up. And then I turn it back up right after he. <laughs> I was it, in so. trouble for my parents. Now, for when NWA came out, I was in like ninth grade. And that was when the explicit label and all yeah, that, uh-huh. and, and, yeah. and and things got kind of nasty oh, yeah. when Two Live Crew came out. And, <laughs> but yeah, I remember getting yeah. in trouble for listening to that. And that's when cassettes were still available on, as a single. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm voting for Alex. I Man, I am too. All right. I, I, I had it. a feeling. That, well, yeah. the dude he, just he knows won. how to win. 
All right, we're going to let you fire the money gun. Yeah. Uh, one golden money gun. Just to, pull the trigger? Or? Uh, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, my friend. Yeah, it's a gun. Oh, yeah. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Make it rain. Drain right. that thing, man. Drain it. There we go. <laughs> All right. $2 bill. Hey, we're going well played, to Well played. If you want to see Alex firing the Golden Supreme Money Gun, you can find that video on the At Startup Hustle podcast Instagram. Or you can go to the Startup Hustle YouTube channel and see, and you can make the decision whether or not we have faces made for radio. <laughs> I do. We're going to let the listeners decide. Yeah. So we end episodes of Startup Hustle by doing what we call, normally what we call the founders freestyle, but I'm going to pivot that a little bit because we were just talking about pivoting. Um, it, it, now I'm assuming you got, both of you have had some involvement in selecting the companies, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's do this. If you, well, here's, the, we'll give, uh, each of us will give a small piece of advice on either how or how not to get selected for a startup accelerator. Mm. Who wants to Excellent. go first? I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this one because uh, our peers told this to us from the get-go, and that was, uh, don't be an asshole. So, <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think when we're, when we're selecting companies and, and talking to them on the phone, uh, that's going to be a, a key one that will pop in our head. And, you know, are, are they going to be coachable and workable or yep. are they so self-absorbed that, you know, they're not going to really benefit from what we're doing? I think don't be an asshole is sometimes just good advice. It's good life advice. Yeah. But, uh, and go, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, well, you know, he, he took the first one that popped into my head. Because, uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about the fact that at the end of the day, if you're going to spend 90 days with, with these guys and gals, um, you better like them at least reasonably. Um, so, uh, so in terms of the, uh, the actual application process and everything else, um, at the end of the day, it, uh, I, I, I'd go back. This is not about being perfect. Okay. This is about being able to communicate a good idea, um, that has a potential. Like for us, we're looking for people who have an MVP, you know, seed to series A, like we talked about that can scale, uh, up to about a million dollars in sales in the next 12 months. If you meet those basic criteria, give it a shot. Um, you know, going back, don't be afraid to fail is kind of what I, I think what I'd land on. Um, put this thing out there because you never know. I mean, that I would argue that the opportunities for the applicants that actually get chosen for the cohort are incredible. And there's tons of stuff like, yeah, we can talk about a lot of the, the cool things that we're doing. But over the long haul, uh, companies that go through accelerators experience m far higher levels of success. Oh, yeah. um, for a and, lot of different and they reasons. Get, yeah, they get accelerated. Uh, like there's a reason we use that word. Um, they're going to, uh, in three months time, they're going to advance probably 12 to 18 months. And so don't be afraid to fail. Like there's a lot of people out there that are going, ah, man, I don't know if I'm, if this idea is good enough or, you know, but if it's in the category and it meets the basic criteria, give it a shot. Like don't, don't be afraid to fail because that's, yep. that's a critical piece. I've got a, a little add on before I, before I go, but I've got a little add on to what you said. So I recently did a keynote address in Cebu to a class of 400 graduating com computer science students. And um, the, it was, uh, their theme was, as, uh, aspire to inspire. But one of the, w the key thing I said at the end was there's a lot of things. So as a graduate, congratulations, you got a lot of decisions to make some things you can control, some things you can't. The one thing you definitely can control is your attitude. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you say, don't be an asshole or be workable. Like that's the thing. Cause the most exciting things in business occur with teams and, and, and around growing companies. They're not just solo you forever. Um, and, and really in the end, you're going to shortchange yourself on a lot of opportunities if you have a shitty attitude and no one wants to, like you said, like I, I'm going to spend 75 days with these people. Like, are you wearing me out on day two? Cause mm-hmm. how am I going to feel two and a half months in? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's great advice. I I'm my advice on this is, uh, is in the, in the vein of being prepared. I say this a lot, but you need to really and truly look like you're in the business of doing whatever it is that you say you do. And, you know, I've had some, I I always, this kind of my my fallback and, you know, sometimes I'll go and give a presentation and then afterward I'll have someone that wants to give me information about their business, which is fine. I encourage that. That's great. But don't give me your pitch, your pitch deck or whatever for a dot com and you want me to email you at your Yahoo email address. <laughs> and, and, you know, because you could have a brilliant idea on the other side of that cover, but I'm never going to see it because, I, you know, like the thing is, is if you're trying to pitch, whether it's for investment or to get in an accelerator or whatever, look, man, you're not special yet. You're one of a whole lot of people that are trying to get the exact same thing. And these little things will get you unnoticed in a hurry because I'm looking at a stack of a hundred business plans here and they're all 50 pages long. And that's all of a sudden, that's a hell of a lot of paper. And are you doing something that's going to make the recipient of that just immediately say next? Mm -hmm. And that simple example is one thing, but another thing too is um, that, that, in that same vein is, especially from an investment thing is I, I hate it when people are like, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about investing in the company. And they come in and we sit down and we talk. I'm like, well, what valuation, what are you looking for here? And they're like, well, I don't really know yet. Then why the fuck are you here? Do you want <laughs> yeah. me to define that for you? Cause I'll give you a dollar for half. How about that? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. And you know, yeah, there you go. There like you go. fire the money gun and whatever you catch before it hits the ground. You know? Yep. But my point is, is you don't look like you're in the business of doing what you're there to do. And if that's pitch and accelerator, you need to s- s- sell them on your big dream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, show up and say, this is why we crushed. This is, and I'm here to be partnered with you. Now, my final statement as support of this is to in the previous cohorts, I talked to all the people in clean tech and I talked to all the people in, in, uh, in, in health tech. And I said, what's, what really made you want to do this? Almost universally, they said, well, the 50K is great, but what's really awesome is that we're partnered with Black & Beach or Nutera Capital. It's the expertise. It's mm-hmm. not the, forget the money. Yeah. Yeah. It's the yep. what those people can do for you and they can shorten the life cycle of a sale. They can open doors for you. They can do a hell of a lot of stuff. And that's also why you shouldn't be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And exactly. You know what? There's one other little piece that I have to add to what do you it. said. Do 100% it. agree with you. Um <clears throat> When it comes to actually presenting your information and being committed and and doing all the things you just talked about there, spell words correctly, use proper punctuation. Some little things, man. The, because like I, I'm I'm a bit of a grammar Nazi. Like I just I I notice stuff that is jacked up. I notice when you have run on sentences. Do or, you care? That yeah. just tells do me you, you don't care, really care. Yeah. yeah. Do you care enough? Because like our process is, it's not that involved. It's about 24 questions, I think, some of which are yes or no. And there, we're not looking for, you don't have to write a book to apply. You have to write a couple, three sentences. 
And by the way, I it's think simple. that's a that's great advice too because I don't want to see your fifty page document. Yeah. I don't. If yeah. you can't fit your everything that you want to tell me on the front of one piece of paper, yeah. then it's, then your idea is not baked yet. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the importance. Like I have actually in the past spent more time making a, a freaking amazing one pager than the forty seven pages that came yeah. behind it because that you you talk about it's back. You have to consider the the state of mind and the situation of the recipient. And when you're looking at a hundred of these things in front yeah. of you, you're like, dude. Yeah. And, and that's another thing. I'll be like, get to the point. Well, I've actually stopped people in presentations. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you got three. I need you. Where are we going with this? Because yeah. <laughs> we're 18 minutes in and I don't even know what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got a 50 page document, the real problem for the investor, for people on the other side of the table is all they're really looking for initially is why not to invest. Yeah. That's my point. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you put those 50 pages in there. Like there's going to be 74 different reasons why they, no one that wants, they don't like No it. one wants to see your 50 page <laughs> yeah, document so. up front. So, well, anyway, I'm going to get back to practicing golf so I don't have to bring <laughs> Alex in for a, for a, as a ringer. But, um, I think I'm going to invite you guys back. I don't think I know because I want to talk about some of the companies that are involved yeah, and yeah. then we can. And now, by the way, one of the things that we also do is anyone in these cohorts we invite in as a guest, Uh Mm -hmm. which by the way is interesting because there's been more excitement about that than the 10 grand. Oh yeah. Yeah. See y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe and we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.